0: Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees Podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Joe Milmai, and this is episode 88, Wool Kitchen, an interview with Helen Reid. I feel a need to laugh again with you, if that's alright. Hello and welcome into the show. Warm, warm and happy welcome to any new listeners that are joining us today. I hope you'll enjoy what you find here and have a bit of a giggle with us. And if you are a returning listener, thank you. I always appreciate you coming back and spending your time with me. It's been a bit of a crazy week again this week and uh, my voice is a little bit croaky as a result. So I have an interview that I'm going to treat you to instead of my planned Episode which will go out next week instead. I gave you last week Larissa of Travel Knitter, one half of the Power Couple, and winner of my Best in Show award uh, for Edinburgh Yarn Festival. And this week I'm going to give you the other half uh, the Hansel to her Gretel, the Batman to her Robin, uh, the Starman to her <laughs> David Bowie. This week I'm going to be interviewing Helen Reed of The Wool Kitchen. She is based in the east end of London as well. She is a yarn dyer and originally from the north of England, the wrong side of the Pennines I add at this point, from Bradford. She's lived in London for the past sort of 15 years and she has recently become an indie dyer and dyes all kinds of beautiful colourways. Now she was the person who got me to break my I'm not buying any four-ply rule at Edinburgh Yarn Festival with a beautiful skein of her Urban Hints yarn, which is a gradient dyed yarn I've mentioned before on the podcast. And she's also very famous for her Ziggy colourway. And I have some interesting, exciting news about that for you towards the end of the show. So make sure you keep on listening right until the end. To find out exactly what that is she's an absolute pleasure to be around she's very very good fun so i was delighted when she agreed to come onto the show and talk to all of us about her journey into becoming a hand dyer so get your ziggy project get yourself a cup of tea and we will crack on with the show <laughs> so I'm delighted today to welcome Helen Reid of The Wool Kitchen onto the show. Helen's an indie dyer based in London and a fantastic northerner. So as I know how much you love northern accents, I thought she would be a great addition to the show because she's a lot of fun. So thank you very much for agreeing to come onto the show, Helen. Oh yeah, no worries at all. <laughs> see. I'm more enough. Because um, sometimes my friends
1: think I sound posh because I've been in London for so long, but I don't think that's really true.
0: No, it's not. But everyone at home always says that when when you don't pronounce the flattest vowels ever in one sentence, automatically you've become posh. Yeah. <laughs> so it happens to me as well. well that's um, good. To know. <laughs> So for those who are maybe not as familiar with you, Helen, can you tell us a little bit about you as a person and about how you came to be interested in Yarny Pursuits?
1: Okay, um, um, my name is Helen and I am a mum of two children and I live in Wolverhampton East London and I've been here for um, 15 years in Wolverhampton and London about 18 years, i come down to study and I met my now husband Kevin. Um, and yeah, we've we've lived in London. He is from London, he's from Hackney. Um, so I stayed, leaving my family up north, which I get to see a lot. Um, I don't remember learning to knit. My mum is a knitter, um, she also spins and she's taught me all of the craft that I know. So she's taught me to spin, um, she taught me to knit. And I would say I've knitted on and off for for years, nothing very exciting, mostly scarves, which I think is what everybody says. And then when I got pregnant with my eldest, which would be, he's, he'll be nine, um, I decided I would make some baby clothes. And that is when I started really reading patterns and realising that that is how my brain works. I can see what is about to occur in a 3D format. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a great reader um if it all came in pattern format I would be a genius but um life doesn't so um yeah that's that's kind of where I'm at um the yarn dyeing has happened because um I love color and I am very interested in seeing what happens to yarn when you knit it the same type of yarn in different patterns and the way that one piece of string can be manipulated to make lots of different things. So I'm, I'm a bit of a geek, which is fine.
0: I'm comfortable with that.
1: Does that answer your question?
0: It does. And I think it's a really interesting concept there that you talked about, about how one piece of string or one skein can look completely different depending on how you pair it up with a pattern and how you knit it. And that's kind of almost part of the fun and part of the skill. Yeah. in uh, particularly with the kind of yarns that you like to dye, because as you said, you do love colour. When you say you love colour, you really, really love colour. I do. They get stuck in my
1: head, those colours, and it's not until I get them out. I think, I think I've think i probably carried those colours around for a really long time. I've gone through phases of wearing really bright tie-dyed clothes and dyeing my hair the various colours that is now my yarn. And, um, and, yeah, they do get stuck until they've come out in the dye pot. And I carry them about. So it's I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what you'd call that. But um yeah, it, it needs to be out there, I feel. So that's that's what's occurred.
0: I love it. Unleashing
1: the beast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I, I think um what happened for me is that I, you know, I, I had the boys and and I was working a really like really lovely number. I worked as a receptionist in a healthcare centre. Uh, and the staff were lovely, and my boss was lovely, and I used to go into work, and then I used to go, you know, pick the kids up from nursery or school, and it all was really, really great. But there was something that was definitely suppressed, and I now know that this is what it was—that you know, I had this, this, this desire to be more colourful and be more creative, and and that's what I needed to do. And my friends at knit night helped me realise that I had, you know, one one night where I was eating everything in sight saying I need to do something different and and the wall kitchen was born so that's it's been yeah it's great I'm very excited I've been very lucky to do that
0: yeah there's the number of people I've interviewed who've said that the dime was kind of fulfilling a part of them creatively that maybe was missing and even though they liked their their jobs there was just something not there and indeed the number of people who've been enabled by their mates at knit night (laughs) or or guild or or likewise is is quite surprising
1: (laughs) maybe we're just really easily influenced and everyone wants us to take the crazy journey that they're frightened to i don't know um you know it's it's good I, i wouldn't have done it without them so i'm very grateful for that and um, yeah they know nerd
0: that <laughs> I think yeah definitely yeah. I love that we've kind of already sort of alluded to it a little bit as as we talked about the answer to your last question but what what was the tipping point that made you think that actually yeah I've had a go at dyeing I really I'm really enjoying it I'm liking being able to kind of fulfill myself creatively through the medium of yarn and color mm-hmm. what was the point that you thought actually I could do this as a business?
1: um I think it was I think I've been really lucky to have the opportunity to do it um in that it was almost rather than it being a tipping point that my hobby became my business I needed to do something that I could do as a business that would fit around having the kids and losing the childcare. so in, in able to do this I had to take on the childcare. um and so, it was more about making this work than it being a hobby that become a business. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really wanted. I wanted to. I wanted to fuf- fulfill the color side, but also before I had the children, I worked in retail and I was a business manager. I used to run a team of about thirty eight people. You know, and and in that having the kids i think some of helen got lost in, yes. in that and so suddenly i've you know thomas was due to start school so he's my youngest and I, I needed to be helen again and part of being helen is being busy being occupied feel feeling fulfilled and so that that was more of a a drive than it was my hobby and and so that become a business it was that I wanted this to be a business and it's it's something that I really enjoy and something that I'm good at you know I'm not I'm not particularly academic um but I'm very creative and and all of my previous jobs before the kids were in a creative sector so although it was retail I worked in cosmetics and before that I worked as part of the display team for Selfridges so you know there was it's always been that kind of color and, creativeness and now I'm here. What can I do, and how can I make this work? And and I I knew I didn't want to go back into retail, in the sense of working for other people, but I also knew that I needed to do something creative, something that allowed me to, um my brain to tick over, but also allow me to talk a lot, um, <laughs> which um, I think I get to do. It's kind of nice that I'm by myself in the daytime and I get that quiet downtime. I have a very busy life with my children um I've got quite an active big boy and so so that is very nice to have that downtime but also um, you know I get massively fulfilled in the talking lots and lots and lots and lots by going to like knit nights and meeting new people and going to the yarn shows and you know Instagram and stuff like this it's all you know it's it's ticking all of Helen's boxes and that that is uh, a happy Helen it's lots that's you know that's good.
0: Obviously you've you've talked a little bit about your general life now you've got your boys and they're quite high energy and you know you've got a very full life when they're around but what does that like, a typical day look like for you?
1: Uh, well mostly it's school run in the morning and then I get back and I generally fill a large tub in the bathroom with lots of raw yarn. Um, and it soaks while I come downstairs and strip the kitchen back getting ready to put out the big sheets of plastic and uh, get all my dye pots out and um, and start thinking of thinking about what I'm going to dye I'd like to write notes and post-it notes and stick them everywhere which sometimes is a good thing and sometimes is really irritating when you can't find said post-it note Um, and then I have got to a stage where when I first started yarn dyeing, I was really overexcited and I would have, say, 10 skeins and I would dye every single one a different colour because there was so much going on in in my brain. As where now I have a collection and so I I meet the requirements of that collection. So if I've sold out of a certain yarn, then I will re-dye that colour and then new colours come along. So they... They either are born because a name gets stuck in my head. So, for example, Punch Drunk was a is a sock yarn color, and it's a really, really bright um coral orange, maybe pink. It's bright. It's really bright. Most of my colors are um, and that was that came because the name got stuck in my head, and I want really thought, oh, you know, what does Punch Drunk look like if I was Punch Drunk in love or just really intoxicated how would that look and so that's where that color comes from as where other colors that they will sit in my head for a while and I play about with the dyes until they arrive and then the naming process starts which is all it's all a bit crazy and I am completely aware of that but I you know and and a lot of it I I do really like a lot of humor so I, I like names to be a little bit um humorous or quirky or know, inner meanings because I'm a bit mad (laughs) but that's that's absolutely fine (laughs) oh dear um and then once once the day is over so once I've had my fun of dying I then pick the kids up and it's dinner time and book time and bath time and bedtime and then there's normally some rinsing out to do of yarn and um, drying and then I like to sit down in the evening and I try and knit for at least an hour a day and um, I really find it helps me to unwind my hands need to be busy um and then throughout the week you know there'll be um updates or taking my own photos which I need to get better at really I think I'm gonna have to invest in some proper equipment for that now um and that is kind of how it is and then the weekends are different again you know their their family time and and taking the boys out and running some of that energy off it's good
0: cool so you've talked a little bit already about your creative process mm-hmm. um how do you go about developing a new colorway
1: well like i say the kind of color gets stuck in my head so i might Sometimes if I'm really unsure about a colour, I will break a skein down into say four, four different um weights of twenty five grams and I might dye one with different combinations of that colour that I'm trying to create. Um and then another in a slightly different way and I'll see how they come out. Sometimes I absolutely just freestyle it, um, which is how, you know, like Ziggy came came to light so Ziggy actually started out as being um, pink black and blue and I kind of walked about with it for a bit it was dry I took it under my arm and I kept looking at this and I just thought oh it's missing something it's not it's not quite where it should be and so it went back in the pot and had a whole load of yellow dye injected into it and suddenly it become it become what I wanted it to be um, so sometimes they just get stuck, and sometimes they're a working process, and then other times they really are a case of freestyling. I have, I have learned that it's not good to freestyle 10 skeins and to just freestyle one. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's a, it, I find it's a really creative process to do lots of different types of dyeing. So whether it be pot dyeing or glazing which is where you over-dye stuff um, or injecting it or hand-painting it or dropping colour on from above. You know, I love it. It's great. It's, you know, it's it's really exciting for me to do. It really pushes those, those buttons, keeps my brain ticking over.
0: No journey is ever a smooth one and running a business has its ups and downs. Can you think of a time where maybe things didn't quite go to plan? What happened and what did you learn as a result of it?
1: Yeah, I've thought a lot about this question.
0: I'm definitely an overfull
1: cup, so I find it quite difficult to see things as failing, if you know what I mean, or as a down. Um, but there is definitely, for me, a level of self doubt sometimes, hmm. and I think that that would be my down, if you like. Um, so. What happens, and, and you know, in, in some ways it's a great thing. There is There are, there are lots and lots of um, yarn dyers out there, which is amazing. And so, and now because of, you know, social media and the internet, we all get access to see other people's stuff. And sometimes I think to myself, oh no, you know, they've got a colour just like mine and should I have dyed that colour? And, you know, I'm re- now really worried that they're going to think that, oh no, they've copied my colour. And then when I get to see it in reality, actually, it's a very different colour. And what I've learned as this as this process has gone on is that we are all individuals and we all come to the pot as individuals and no two people are the same. And I definitely believe that about yarn dyeing. We all get to the result of we've all got dyed yarn, but we all do it in, in different processes. And so... What has been a real learning curve for me um, is is massively reaching out and in strength in 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 lots of numbers comes great strength and I really believe that when I first started dyeing and I first started using Instagram for the wall kitchen, um, my biggest response was from us dyers and and they still and and have been extremely supportive. You know they will say, "Oh, I love this colorway that you've done." Or they'll tag me in one of their colorways and say, oh, you know, I've dyed this colorway and it makes me think of you. And so it's been it's 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 really made me think that it's really important to share. You know, we work as individuals and and because it is a creative process, I think there is a little bit of an element of you being a little bit guarded about your working process. But really, we need work colleagues and we should be gaining that from other yarn dyers. And um you know, I've been really fortunate that me and Larissa, um, who's travelled there, live, both live in Wolverhampton, And it is exactly like having a colleague. And we do now discuss stuff about, you know, what do you think of this dye? And how did you get to this process? And, and you know, what would you do with this? Because I don't know what to do with that. And it's that's been it's just been great. And I would just encourage people to do it more and more and more because, you know, let's just take over the world with hand dyeing um so I would say that that has been my down but you know I'd like to make it an an up in thinking that you know self-doubt as is, is turning around and becoming self-belief does that is that is that good
0: <laughs> <laughs> well clearly I think it's a good thing um and the purpose of this question because a lot of people feel really uncomfortable with looking at a way that maybe they failed at something mm. a lot of people struggle with that um and it, I never get it because um I was in the military and you always look for things that you didn't do as well even yeah. if everything went fine you always look for things that didn't quite go as well as they could have and iterate on that and say right okay well what can we do differently how would you approach it this time yeah. so you learn from it and it's not about maybe a negative um, question to ask it's more about okay you've been through this and it, it wasn't ideal you know Doubting yourself isn't ideal um, but how did you overcome it? What did you learn from it? How yeah. can other people take what your experience and, and move forward with that? So the points I think that you brought out about you know reaching out to other people and you know those business relationships and friendships outside of business even are re- it's a really important part of, of yeah. running a business, and I think it's something anyone can learn from. Yeah, yeah, no, I
1: definitely, I de- yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely see that that is down and I've learned from it and it's still you know it still occurs I find it particularly difficult to go to a show as a guest rather than a than a a stall holder I think when you're there as a stall holder you're feeling lots of the love Mm. um but when you're there as you know someone who's walking about and you're seeing everybody else's stuff sometimes it feels extremely overwhelming um thinking you know am I doing the right thing am I you know am I Am I dyeing the right colorways, and and what I'm learning as I go on is that actually it's absolutely fine to be true to myself and stick with the fact that I am a bright dyer and I love it, and that is that's great. And you know there will be people who love my yarn, there will be people who think oh it's not for them, and that is also absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it, yeah I would definitely say that has been a down, but it can be an up too. <laughs>
0: absolutely and again you've brought another brilliant point out there about there are people who love my stuff and people who hate it um and it's really tempting and it's it's tempting as a podcaster and a business owner myself to do it is to try and make something that everybody likes but if you do you're just bland you can't because people can't love you if people don't hate you it's like it's the way of the world you know you have to have opposites for things to work properly yeah
1: definitely there are definitely colours that I've dyed that I've not really loved. And as a consequence, they've not really sold, which is really interesting, you know, because no people don't know that I don't love them. But they must just be a certain, they must just have that vibe. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's really true to kind of stay true to yourself and think, OK, well, you know, we're all we're all individual and you know, we we all we find our people, don't we? You know, you do. You we we're not. You know, the world is not friends with everybody, and we all have our you know our people that we find and that we communicate best with, and that's 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 really encouraging.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I I always come back to this point about hand dyed yarn as it being a work of art, and you're not buying wool, you're sort of buying some of the person, really yeah rather it, than <laughs> rather than just a product
1: yeah it's true it's really true you are buying a bit of helen which is a bit crazy in
0: color and i've got i've got some helen i've got he- helen's are on the rebel shelf along with the countess
1: yay
0: it, helen's yarn won't go in the box either <laughs> we're on the best shelf yeah i put it there for my visitors to admire Um, oh brilliant oh brilliant well that's really interesting um chat about stuff that you've learned there so let's take it to the high point then because we like to have opposites as i've said and what has been the best thing that's happened so far (sighs) um
1: i'm completely overwhelmed by the response to stuff like um ziggy um it's my bestseller and then starman pattern that's that's been incredible and the Urban Hints cake, um, cakes and the, the shawl pattern for that and the, the knit along. Um, so that's, I mean, that, you know, I'm still riding that high. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, um, Yarn in the City, I did the Yarn in the City show, which was my first show. And I was just amazed by how many people knew who I was, which in in some ways was a little bit scary, that suddenly everybody knew who Helen was. Um, but in the same instance, it was just incredible. It's extremely overwhelming, and and I met so many lovely people. So many, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a single person that I didn't think was lovely. Which, you know, it is making me really excited about Edinburgh because I just you know I now know even more people. Through the aid of social media and the people I got to meet at Yarn in the City are going to be at Edinburgh, and I'm really excited to, you know, have a squeeze. I get to squeeze Joe on her birthday. You know, that's exciting. Where else would I get to do that? So.
0: Totally coming for a cuddle.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know it. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, just I would say definitely a high point for me has been been meeting lots and lots of people that I relate to and that get really excited about um wool and yarn and fibre and colour and um yeah it's been great. I'm high.
0: <laughs> I love it. Definitely I'm nothing happy. to do with all the dye dust in your kitchen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: it's vinegar actually it makes me a bit crazier.
0: <laughs> oh definitely So which one thing then that you know now did you wish you had known when you first picked up a ball of yarn?
1: How important attention swatches.
0: It's as simple as that. (laughs) uh, Loads of people say that. Loads of people say that. It's so true. I remember, what did
1: I knit? I knitted a Vogue pattern for my sister once. It was one of my first big projects that I'd done. And I knitted it we I did all the measurement sizes and I didn't do a tension swatch and um I used the recommended yarn and the recommended needle size. And I'm I'm a I am a very loose knitter. I, you know, it's I'm I'm a really, really loose knitter. So this thing by all accounts now I think should have been massive. It was tiny. It's absolutely <laughs> tiny. I mean you could have put a six year old in it, which would have been inappropriate because there wasn't enough of it really. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, ten- definitely tension Tension swatching is really, really, really important. Really, I really wish I'd have listened to the instructions at the top of the paper saying, this is your recommended tension swatch. Because I drop a whole needle size for most patterns. So that's, you know, it's a, it's a whole lot less yarn than I would use if I'd have just gone on the recommended needle size to begin with. So... <laughs> That's you know the tight northerner has kicked in there get to save money on yarn. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that are definitely tensions watching.
0: <laughs> I love it. So taking it from the first ball of yarn then to your desert island skein, if yeah. you were going to be marooned on a desert island and could only take one skein or ball of yarn, what would you take and why? Uh, I would
1: take a ball of Ziggy, of course. Um, which is a BFL and bamboo mix, and I've thought very hard about this question, and I've decided that the reason I would take that ball is because the bamboo is antibacterial and would be great for washing my armpits for when I get rescued. Um, <laughs> <so> that... <laughs> Nothing if not practical, Helen. <laughs> um, but no, it's a, it. You know, it's a it's a good versatile yarn. It's strong. You know, I could use it to tie rafts together. Um, And, of course, it would remind me of all my friends that would be looking for me, clearly, because I hadn't been in contact on social media for several
0: days. (laughs) The shop's empty. Where's she gone? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Cool. Okay, then. So, taking it from um, incredibly (laughs) incredibly practical choices of very brightly coloured yarn Mm -hmm. to... resources what is your favorite or your go-to resource for yarn craft or business that you couldn't do without
1: uh, well my biggest my biggest user is instagram that is my main forum of communication and um general woolhead stalking um, however i do use ravelry a lot which i think you know a lot of us yarners do um, and what I really like about that is if I see a pattern that I want to knit, I think it's really useful to look at other people's patterns that they've, you know, their, their knitting that they've done of that pattern. And from that, you gain lots of information, like you need to add another two inches to the armhole, otherwise you're going to end up with a boob hammock. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's just, it's re- and also, you know, um, is a garment going to fit you? Because we're not, we don't, we don't all look like the magazine model. Very little people do. So, you know, is it going to suit my shape? Is it, you know, is it going to catch on my hips because they're bigger than my shoulders? Or am I just going to, you know, do, do I, do I need a bust to wear this? You know, so it's just really useful to be able to look at other people's Projects and see is this the right thing for me to knit? because you invest so much time in knitting. I mean, you know there is this just general belief that we can just knock stuff up, but that's not really true. You know, it all falls into the can you knit me a jumper for Christmas and I'll give you a tenner. <laughs> you know, so, so so if you're going to invest the time in doing the project, you've got to love it. So yeah, Ravelry is great for that, but it's not my main form of communication. It's definitely Instagram, and I, I've gained. I've gained a lot from Instagram, a lot of friendships. I'm constantly told off by my big child that I shouldn't be talking to strangers online, um, which he does have a point. But, you know, we're all wool strangers, so it's absolutely fine. We're not crazy or anything.
0: No, definitely not.
1: <laughs> Don't carry sharp implements in our bags and, you know, talk a lot and grope each other's clothes. That doesn't, really doesn't happen.
0: no. No, definitely, definitely. Um, talk me through boob hammock. Oh
1: right. Well, you know when you when you have a uh, so when you have a, a project that might be like a little row and it meets in the middle, but it doesn't cover your boob enough, so it just kind of clips the boob, and that is a boob hammock. You know, it's holding the boob in place, doesn't quite come down low enough. You know, boob hammock. No, no, we no,
0: don't say boob hammock in Wigan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, I. I need. I you need to get on Ravelry and look up some boob hammocks now. I'm, yeah. I'm setting that as your mission for Friday. I want you to find me a pattern of a boob hammock.
0: You know what? I'm absolutely going to do that. the The gauntlet has been the gauntlet. The boob hammock has been laid yeah. down. I <laughs> want to print out of the best
1: boob hammock you found, and you're going to put it up on your booth and think of me.
0: I will. I'll, I'll put it on my wall next to all my other stuff. With a little stuck take a little picture of your head on top of it as so well just give you a little boob hammock <laughs> love it um the mm. thing is i know i can say that to you and you won't think i'm weird at all <laughs> <laughs> it probably says a lot about both of us um so you've... <laughs> that's it now i'm off so where is the best place uh for the listeners to find you you've mentioned instagram and ravelry and yes. um, just let us know your handles on there and any other places they need to come find you um so i am the wool
1: kitchen on um, all of social media and Ravelry, and um, I also have an Etsy shop, which is the Wool Kitchen on Etsy. That's that's where I use what I use to sell my yarn online. Um, and I'm also stocked in Wild and Woolly in Hackney and in Fluff in Dundee. Um, but yeah, my biggest my biggest one is is Instagram. So do come over and say hi. Um, I'm not frightened to follow you. Um, so, yeah, that's that's exciting. I like to see what people are up to. I've met a lot of people through it.
0: <laughs> I love that. I'm not frightened to follow you down the street, home from work, <laughs> yeah. or just on the internet.
1: i <laughs> to follow you around IKEA, just if you want.
0: Oh, brilliant. So do you have any parting words of advice for those who are maybe considering um, getting into hand dyeing? Yeah,
1: I'd give it a go see what happens don't don't be scared of it. do lots of um do do lots of reading and um, there's some great craftsy tutorials and if you want to book yourself on a dye workshop then do and just talk to loads of people and you'll you'll find your own groove there's lots of us out there um i i, I think don't hold back if you if you you know if you're chomping at the bit and you think i could do this then I would say do it. It's it's definitely been a game changer for me. I've met incredible people and I'm, you know, it just feels like it's going on and on and on. And I've definitely gained a level of independence that I didn't think existed anymore. So, yeah, do it. It's great.
0: Fantastic. Thanks. And let's get excited. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't think we've already been excitable enough. <laughs> but let's get even more excited. Uh, what's next for you? What can the listeners look forward to from the Wool Kitchen in the next few months? Um, well, my big
1: plan is to move the kitchen out into the garden into a shed, if I can do that, which would be really exciting for me. So to have my own space, um, and then I do have a couple of patterns that might be locked in my head, which uh, Amelia. I'm sure we'll wrangle out. She's some um, woolen words. I'm sure she'll she'll prize them out at some point. Um, and then some, yeah, I've been thinking about some new colours. You know, actually, I've jumped a bit forward to autumn. I seem to have them stuck in my head. So I might have to can them for a bit and, and come back to them. But, yeah, um, I'm going to be in Edinburgh. That's that's the most exciting thing. That is what is next for my business. That I'm going to get to squeeze loads of bullheads heads that I've met on
0: social media.
1: So I'm I'm most excited about that. Really
0: excited. I love it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. No, I can't. It's your birthday. I know it is my birthday. We're going. We're going for gin. I'll send you details. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show, Helen. It's been an absolute uh, delight chatting with you. Thanks for asking me. (laughs) No worries. So I hope you enjoyed that interview. I had great fun chatting to Helen and I hope you enjoyed having a bit of a laugh with us as well. Now, I said at the beginning you needed to hang on until the end and stick with me. And here's the reason why. I'm not sure how clever of an idea this was because if she does indeed end up on a desert island she won't have a desert island skein to take with her but Helen has given her, us her actual desert island skein as a giveaway. So I have a skein of Ziggy and... It has been dyed on to her 80% Superwash Blueface Leicester and 20% Bamboo Base, as we discussed. And I have it in my hand, it's lovely. It's got a beautiful shine on it from the bamboo. And it's a riot, an absolute riot of colour. So if you want to be in with a chance to win this actual Desert Island gain, in the hope that Helen doesn't get banished to a Desert Island, of course... Then head on over to the Groupon Ravelry, there will be a thread there where you can put in your favourite colourway from the Wool Kitchen's current inventory as a bit of market research because whenever I do giveaways I like to do a little bit of market research as well just to help out our dyers and designers who very graciously offer us stuff to give away if you put in a comment with your favourite colourway you'll be entered into the random number generator of random good fortune not entirely random because it is a computer but as random as you can get on the internet and I will draw a winner for that on or after probably after the 22nd of april so as i say get over to ravelry get into the group let me know what your favorite colorway is from helen's shop i will hyperlink her shop at the top of the thread so you can find it easily if you don't already have it bookmarked and let's face it who wouldn't i've already fallen foul of her yarny charms already (laughs) and uh, you'll be entered into the prize draw so thank you very much to helen for offering that brilliant prize for us this episode so that is all i've got time for this week i hope you've enjoyed the show and i look forward to speaking to all of you again next week in the meantime have a great week happy crafting and i will speak to you all again soon bye been listening to the shiny bees podcast a podcast for those who like their knitting comedy and yarn in equally large measures if you'd like to get in contact with me you can do so via the blog or i'm shiny bees on ravelry instagram twitter pinterest and facebook you can email me at shinybeesinfo@gmail.com. at gmail.com music for this episode is provided by a music alley and it is adam and the walter boys and i need a drink, I need a drink.